And this is Bruce. I was supposed to do this yesterday, but bear with me, guys. Minor adjustments. I think I'm going to continue to do this on Saturdays, but minor uh, upset in our normal, normally scheduled programming. So what we're going to talk about today is uh, a couple things. I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to talk about the news, just like five articles. Just Let's just see how it works out. Uh, if you happen to be on podcasts, great, great opportunity to kind of get brush up on some of the cybersecurity news and stuff that's going on right now. Then I'm going to address some of the questions that I'm that I've gotten from some of you guys out there who've asked me questions regarding security, cybersecurity, and mostly cybersecurity, uh, cybersecurity configurations, cybersecurity um, compliance. All right, let's start off with news. Let's start off with the news. Um, so what I'm going to do is go to Google, and I'm going to to go ahead and read the top cybersecurity news that's going on, and anything else that we catch, and give you kind of a twist on my perspective as a somebody who's actually in the field right now. All right, let's start off with. I mean, I brought some of these up right here. So it is currently October, which is Cybersecurity Awareness Month. I don't know if you guys knew that. But basically, it's a dedicate. It's dedicated to making people more more aware of what's going on and getting some education in cybersecurity. As you know, a lot of people just don't pay attention to it, even though IT and information and cyber stuff is is a central part of all of our lives, particularly now during COVID nineteen, um, where people are working from home, people are are, uh, are working remotely more, and more of our life is dependent on work on being remote. For school, for work, for play, for everything. So you would think that more people would think about cybersecurity, but they don't. So they de- kind of dedicated a month to kind of put out their information about cybersecurity awareness. So that's what cybersecurity awareness is all about. And cybersecurity awareness month, one of the things that you should be aware of <laughs> is that a lot of these organizations, such as Proofpoint that you're looking at here at my screen, give away free information, free training. So your Proofpoint, at least your cybersecurity companies, they'll sometimes give out free training or free downloads and stuff like that. To kind of, it's a, it's a a way to actually contribute to the community, but also a way to promote their own products. So in this case, uh, Proofpoint is they're going to celebrate Cyber Aware- Cybersecurity Awareness Month in October. We de- so to do this, we've developed three cybersecurity awareness kits you can leverage to offer targeted cybersecurity training to your organization. These kits include. A, con- a communication plan and all employee facing materials. So that's like all of the, you know, if you walk into your 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 building and you see like those posters with uh, make sure you put in a better s- password and stuff like that. So those are the kind of stuff they're talking about. And the free kit, they, they're saying it includes phishing awareness kits, business email compromise awareness kits, Working from home awareness kits. So that's th- these are just a few of the things that uh, these kind of companies will offer you. So Cybersecurity Month, check that out. And then there's another article. Let's see if there's something else we can bring up here about cybersecurity professionals can earn a hundred thousand per year. And here's how to pivot with the learning a- attitude. Now this is very true. This is very very real because this is exactly what I did to get to six figures is to keep on learning 
in cybersecurity and keep on leveling up. Definitely worth your time, worth your read. And if you want to find this, go to just go to Google. And I'm, it's a Forbes article, and then type in uh, Google News, and then type in cybersecurity hundred thousand. This should be one of the first articles in October twenty twenty. So it says, while top line security jobs are rapidly expanding, they're exhibiting high wage growth. Many people are intimidated by them and of the perception of that that these jobs require significant technical skills that's true it's it's definitely true uh, cybersecurity is typically not something you just jump right into it's it's a it's a rabbit hole like you, they're expecting you to have a certain level of IT experience when you go in so there's not many entry level positions are going to be paying you a hundred thousand just so you know and it depends on where you are if you're in a high uh, paying place like uh, New York or San Francisco or LA or something like that they probably come stand that's probably the baseline that they pay you is like ninety five thousand or some hundred thousand whatever but um, typically you're gonna have to have some experience in IT, solid experience in IT to get this kind of money. But let's see what this article is kind of saying here. I'm not going to read the entire thing. I'm just going to kind of skim on the main parts of it and kind of give you my perspective. So as a case study of offensive security, offensive security is is ethical hacking. It's like actually doing white hat or gray hat hacking for a company. And what that means is you are doing pen, penetration tests and you are doing you're, you're figuring out if there's a way to get into a company with their permission, of course, to see if there's any holes in their in their external network or in their DMZ or and sometimes even from inside, you'll do like a scan uh, and, or you'll you'll run different kind of metasploit type stuff inside of the network to see if you can figure out where they have weaknesses. That's offensive security. So they're talking about the OS. CP, which is one of the highest, probably the highest level uh, cert certification that you can get for ethical hacking and, and pen testing, offensive security uh, certification program uh, uh, professional. This is not for people who are new, by the way. This is a very, uh, very deep and expert level of skill that they're talking about. So they're doing a case study on this. Offensive security is one of the world's leading companies. Uh, that specializes in training for a career uh, in information security and learning options uh, before you become an offensive security certified professional. Unlike many other providers in this space, offensive security equips people with not only technical t information, but also the mindset that is centered around intellectual curiosity and persistence. All right, let's keep going here. Uh, causes for optimism. Let me see if there's anything we can gather out of this very quickly. So it's just going into um, how cybersecurity people are making upwards of a hundred thousand a year. But you, you guys, if you've been watching me for a while, it's something I talk about a lot. But real quickly, cybersecurity remains one of the occupations that is the greatest wage, the greatest wage and employment growth, not only historically, but also over the next decade. So it's going to continue to grow. For example, employment in information security analyst, also known as cybersecurity analyst, 
occupation is estimated to grow 31 percent between 2019 and 2029. I would say much more than that as all of our life is centered. Uh, the center of our life is technology. Love it or hate it, that's the reality of it, and they need security. Security is becoming more essential to our lives. Similarly, the medium earn the medium earnings for 2019 in these occupations is a hundred thousand per year. I can confirm that this is absolutely true, and it's been going up. So yeah, great article, great information. That's absolutely true, coming from somebody who's in this field. Starting a lot of times in at a hundred thousand. That's that <laughs> like if you're walking in off the street with no, with no experience, then th- that's of course, you're not going to start off at 100000 Okay. Um, another article is, it's never too early to teach your kids about cybersecurity. Absolutely true. And I'm just going to go to the main part here. Preventing security breaches at home is one of the topics. Uh, cybersecurity on the go, limiting exposure. And I can tell you, as a cybersecurity person, this is something I do teach my kids. Um just basic stuff. It's not like I'm teaching them to lock down a, um, a, a you know, Windows server or anything like that. They're not interested in IT. Uh, but in the, the thing is, you don't have to have an interest in being an IT professional to to take cybersecurity seriously. And so, what I do, one of the main things I do with my kids is I will tell them, hey, don't put your real information online. Don't put your real information, your real first name, last name. Don't put your real, never put your locate your location, your address. Never give anybody your phone number. So those are some of the main, but they kind of already, it's just common sense. They already know that, you know, but I, I emphasize it. I make sure they know how important it is. And then another thing I'll do is, that um you know sometimes they've had to learn the hard way just tell them hey don't download random stuff you know but what i'll do is preventative i'll tell them i'll what i'll do is i'll tell them how to get rid of malware and then how to detect malware by going control alt delete task manager and showing them the resources and i'll break down the different components this is probably way deeper than a normal person goes but i'll tell them the different components of uh, a system and then here's how you can detect malware and then i'll tell them here's some stuff that you can use that's free that you can download and use and get rid of that malware malware bytes and things like that is what i'll have them show them and they have used it um let me see control and go but that's that's pretty much it. Those are the main things that I teach my kids. You know, uh, you know, a lot of times kids are actually more aware than we are. Uh, you know, older than older people are as far as hiding your real identity. They're they're pretty good about that kind of thing and not giving your real location and things. But you should still educate your kids. So there's another article. Let's keep moving here. Centrify's new CEO has a compelling vision for future the future of cybersecurity and. This dude's name, okay. Bottom line, Brent uh, Flint Brenton. I hope I'm Brenton Flint. It's a very unique name. Flint Britton's uh, Brenton's vision for the future of Centrify and cybersecurity in general uh, prioritizes the need for privileged access management, or PAM, as we like to call it, to become a core to the multi-cloud architectures and DevOps environments he sees pervading customer 
enterprises today. And it goes on to say how many CEOs, as soon as they get in, they have this vision for cybersecurity because it's becoming extremely important. And uh, they, they have to take it very seriously as a part of their fiduciary responsibility to take responsibility for any kind of for the security posture of the organization. So they they have to have a stance and a strategy to take their direct their company in a certain direction as far as cybersecurity. And this guy is pretty high level. He used to be the CEO of Excel Ops, Title Software, and he was the lead engineer at uh, NetIQ, Compaq, and a couple of uh, IBM and a couple of other companies there. So this is, that's uh, that's what that one's talking about. Let's keep it moving. There was a really good one. Okay, here's here's a really good one. This is one that uh, I thought it was, I was going to get lost in, but it turns out it's a very interesting read. So this one right here, and this is going to be the last article, and then we'll get into questions uh, that, that people have sent me. But three ways criminals use artificial intelligence in cybersecurity attacks. This is coming from Best Buy. No, that's not coming from Best Buy. That's the ad. <laughs> TechRepublic.com. So this one is talking about bad actors using machine learning to break passwords more quickly and build uh, malware that knows how to hide experts warn. Okay, so this one is first. I'm like, we're not there yet. How can AI actually have any kind of impact right now? Are we that far yet into AI to have it cracking passwords and stuff like that apparently we are so here here's the thing i'm just going to keep this very high level and very quick i just kind of went through the article myself so there's some there's three things that this article talks about and where ai is already starting to be used um to do hacking and malware and things like that first one is data poisoning and data poisoning if i'm understanding the it uh, let me just kind of skim through here uh, let me see bad actors sometimes target the data used to train machine learning mod modules models uh, data poisoning is is designed to manipulate and train data sets to control and predict behavior of trained model uh, of a trained model to trick the model into performing incorrectly such as labeling spam emails as safe content. There are two types of data poisoning, attacks that target a machine learning algorithm's ability and attacks that the target, uh, that targets the integrity. And uh, let me see. So it, it will send, it will send like fake data to like an organization to give it a, a different kind of impression it'll copy that data like it'll say okay what does that data look like it'll copy the data going in and out of out of a network look at the behavior and then it can manipulate it can mimic it and then change it in such a way that it might fool uh that network or fool somebody into uh using their uh that fake data set I think that's what they're saying. If I understand it right, maybe I'm not. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, this is I'm still learning this stuff myself. So, okay, with backdoor attack, with backdoor attacks, a, an intruder can add can add an input to the algorithm that the model designer does not know about. The attacker uses the backdoor to get the machine 
learning system to misclassify a certain string and be, as benign when uh, as benign when it might be carrying bad data. Interesting. I, I need really need to know more about it to understand it fully. Generate okay. Generative uh, adversarial networks. GAN. Like some of this stuff. Like as I'm reading it, it it's like it's so new to me. But one one of these days, some of these attacks are going to be commonplace. They'll be on tests. They'll be part of normal. It'll be it'll be like the the the, the uh, denial of service attacks. Uh, <laughs> Uh, of today it'll be so common but right now this stuff is very new and uh, it's being used by the way this is not just i thought this was just in testing labs but what they're saying is that this stuff is being used but in a very small scale okay anyway generative adversarial networks are basically two ais pitted against each other one that simulates the original content and one that spots its mistakes by competing against each other they join they jointly create content convincing enough to pass for the original okay then what do they do with that um let me see and then it goes on to say nvidia research trained a unique ai model to create pac-man simply by observing hours of gameplay so this ai observe hours of gameplay on pac-man and then learn how to play it flawlessly i remember i've seen that article bandos said okay who is bandos is that the person or is that the company or did i miss something okay anyway let's keep going here attackers are you are using gans or generative adversarial networks to mimic normal traffic patterns to divert attention away from attacks and to find and exfiltrate sensitive data quickly. So it'll mimic what's going on on the network. It'll watch the traffic going in and out, learn what it looks like, copy it, and then kind of create a distraction while something else is being done in the background. Interesting. And then there's this last one, manipulating bots. Here's another one that's actually happening right now. So panelists, okay, this was all this stuff, by the way, this came out at a, a conference. Let me see if I can find the conference. It was called the, um, the da -da -da -da. this was some kind of conference, and the the NIST was there. And okay, here it is. Can be used to evade cybersecurity defenses and make breaches faster and more efficient during a NCSA uh, National Cyber Security Alliance and NASDAQ Cybersecurity Summit. That's what it was. Okay. So the last thing that they talked about on those three AI attacks is manipulating bots. So panelist Greg Foss, a senior cybersecurity strategist at VMware Carbon Black, said that an AI algorithm, AI, AI algorithms make decisions um, if AI algorithms make decisions, they can be manipulated to make the wrong decision. And that's what happened in this particular case. And they said that here's the actual case. Here's what got me. I'm like, whoa, this is really, it's actually being used right now. Foss described a recent attack on a, on a cryptocurrency trading system run by bots. Yeah. 
And so some some of these cryptocurrency trading uh, systems are using bots to like trade quickly. Like it'll it'll see a trend in like say EOS or Bitcoin or something going up, and then it'll like at a certain point, right? And then the bot you can tell the bot to um, okay if it goes down five points, buy. When it gets to this point right here, buy it, right? And that's what the bot will do all day long. But they're saying that if you're using AI to do this kind of stuff, it can be manipulated. And so that's what the attackers did. Attackers went in and figured out how bots were doing their trading, and they used the bots to trick the algorithm. Uh, this can be applied across other implementations of, of, of bots is what they're saying. So that's it for the news. And just gonna try the news. This is uh, if you guys like it, then that's cool. If not, then I can move on to something, something else. All right. So what I'm gonna do is show you guys some questions as people have been asking me. That's what we're gonna talk about here. And somebody asked me status of the cap course. Um, they said um, I have been watching your videos on YouTube and they are really helpful. Great, good, good to hear. Like that feedback. I am planning to take the CAP exam in December and wanted to know if you will be having a course for that time or for any time soon. No, I, I, it won't be done anytime soon. And let me show you why. So it's just very robust. And whenever you're talking about cyber um, security or any kind of in IT certifications, it's just a lot of information. So what you're looking at is I'm on the third. There's seven different domains for the cap and let me hold on a second let me just remove my face here so you can guys can see what i'm talking about here move my face this right here is the course that i'm developing i am on domain three there are seven domains so it's not just about me giving you information right that's parts is easy just gathering the stuff putting it down here and, and giving you an interpretation that explains it is one part of it but also when you're talking about a certification you have to go into the actual questions so I've in addition to a book of slides right a complete book of slides on each domain and that features each one of the objectives um, I also have to make uh, hundreds of of different helpful questions so I'll have a question and answer and the questions are going to be a, one of the larger parts of this whole series so that's why it's going to take longer and then I got to do videos on it the videos is just a really great way to get to get that data in your head so it's going to be a very comprehensive slide presentation that you could literally download and read it like a book it'll have all of the the data down here as you're reading as you're actually going through the slides it's not just slides it's actually information that you can use uh, in your career and in the and on to study for the test so you know it's very comprehensive but it's also going to be a video presentation that kind of focuses in on all the most important pieces and then there's a comprehensive testing of that particular of each particular domain going by each objectives and that's why it's not going to be done by December I'm just being completely real and honest with you um, 
I, it will go a little faster. I hope. I I wish I could have it done. I know. I, I mean, I've been talking about it for a really long time. So I hope that answers your question. What I what I think I'm gonna do is go ahead and and release one part of it. And I don't know how if that's gonna be like a cheaper price or if it'll be free. I'm just not sure yet. I've been thinking about just releasing one part for free, like because that one I've already started doing the videos on on uh, domain one. So maybe that's what I'll do. Any input that you guys have, you guys can go to my Discord channel. I'll put that in the links description below, or you can email me. You know, if you anything that you suggest to do on this one, because I'm literally in the middle of developing it, and uh, any any kind of input you you have, I, I do listen to you guys. So, all right. So the next question is network job to risk management framework from Charlie, and he says I am majoring in inter interdisciplinary studies concentration in information assurance also known as cybersecurity also known as information security um, computer security many different names information assurance specifically points to risk management framework type work criminal justice ed and education I am going to be going to a I am going to be getting a network security job after I graduate when trying to pass uh, uh, while trying to pass the CompTIA security plus do you feel that this is a good starting point if I want to go under risk management framework? Yes, yeah, I would say absolutely. Any kind of technical skill set that you can have in in IT in, in general is really good for risk management framework, really good for security compliance. Any kind of security compliance is, is going to help you. It, whether that's ISO 2700, 27,000 uh, uh, the international standard or is the banking SCADA stuff or it is any of these things are, are good any kind of technical skill you can get networking in particular is inc is incredibly helpful it's one of the pillars of the things that you really need to know and and have a very competent level of understanding for network and the, the the deeper you go into networking the better because networking literally and figuratively links everything together so it's the one of the most important technical skills that you can have and so yes i was to answer your question to get a job in networking and do that for like a solid year that is very good foundational information for you to get into risk management framework the more technical you can get um in it the better because then you'll understand the actual risks that need to that needs to be managed and a lot of uh a lot of security compliance a lot of security policy grc type people are not super technical and that's really a drawback in my personal opinion. In, in my experience, it's been a drawback because a lot of times like you're dealing with very technical things. And if you don't understand what you're doing, you'll make the wrong interpretation of the policies and the laws and, you know, and FISMA and things like that, because sometimes it comes down to your interpretation. And so everybody's relying on you to interpret this correctly to help to manage the risk of an organization. So you're talking about pretty important decisions being put on your shoulders in risk management framework, which is why a lot of people don't want to do it. Because you're you're dealing I've got a friend, this guy's one of the most talented IT people I've that I know. 
and he absolutely hates cybersecurity. Does he know how to do it? Abs- absolutely. He, he's a like I say, he's one of the most talented IT people that I know. It's like he was, it was like he was born with a router in his hand or something. Guy's a, a master at, especially at, at uh, networking stuff. He's got CCNP, CC. IP, CCISP, uh, CISSP, I mean, he's got, he, he's got several firewall uh, skill sets. I mean, the guy's just, just pure talented, purely talented and, uh, and smart and knows how to do troubleshooting very well. But he hates cybersecurity and the reason why is because you have to deal with policy. You have to make interpretations. You have to talk to people. It's stressful. And then, and then you're dealing with people who don't understand IT. So if you have a very strong technical background, you can explain to managers what's going on in non-technical jargon in a way that they can understand. The biggest skill set that you can do, aside from having a solid core IT background for security compliance, um, security information assurance, Whatever, however you want to call it, CNA, Certification and Accreditation, ANA, you know, uh, Assessment and Authorization, whatever you want to call it, that that's the world we're talking about. Policy, developing policies and stuff, writing documents and, and stuff like that. <laughs> if you're in this world, the one, two of the most important things you need to have is a solid technical background. You don't need it, but it's absolutely helpful um, and preferred. Uh, the other thing you really need is to be able to talk to people in their language so you need to be able to interpret and translate what the technical guys are saying and be able to translate that to uh, the managers and the c-level people all these people speak a different language so if you have that solid networking background you can go and talk to the network team the network engineers and explain hey this is what we need this is what the fisma this is what this security control is saying um how can we how can we make this happen and then you can go take that that you know and you got to speak to them in their jargon you got to be like okay well um I, I can see that you guys are using this particular subnet and you guys are using this subnet mask you're on ip address yada 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 which is an internal ip uh which is an external ip but we have that on the inside of the it's on the internal network. Is that necessary? Can we? So you're speaking their language because you understand technically what's going on, right? And then you know the risk of it because you know the technical what's going, what is actually happening. Because you maybe you've even installed it before and you've done DMZ stuff, external and internal. You know the differences between those. Then you got to take that, talk to them, understand it. Then you got to go and get, sit in these meetings with these managers, and you got to be able to articulate to them why why we shouldn't have an internal IP. Uh, an ex- an external IP, a publicly available IP on the internal network. You know, you have to be able to tell them in non-technical jargon what is going on. So, yet to answer your question, yes, any kind of technical skills that you have are very helpful. Okay, let me keep moving on here. This was a really good question. I really enjoyed this one. Just thinking about it, and and it brought me back to a lot of stuff that I do. As a, is this thing too loud? I think this thing's too loud. Hold on, so give me a second here. Seems like my gain is like really high here. So let me just turn this down a little bit. Is that a little bit better? I feel like it's like blaring. Test, test, testing, testing, testing. I'm just trying to fix my sound here, guys. 
test 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 i don't know if that's working <laughs> i don't know if that's i should have fixed this before i started okay anyway too late all right so uh the next question was mitigation statement versus uh, plan of action and milestone or poem this comes from jose he says hey bruce hope all is well just wanted to ask you something is it common for a validation to ask for a mitigation statement for a poemed item for a poemed item um, I am I am confused to why I need to provide a mitigation statement for something that might not have a way to mitigate to be mitigated unless completely fixed okay so let me explain what what he's talking about here so uh, what he means by mitigation statement is when you're doing risk management framework when you're doing uh, information assurance when you're doing whatever you want to call it there's many different names for it but you know what I mean it's IT documentation risk management framework when you're doing this stuff you have something called a mitigation statement also known as an implementation statement and all it does is explain how a control has been implemented so it it can it depends on the organization how detailed it is. I've been in organizations that very they go into great excruciating detail in the statement. But I've also been at some that Department of Defense type organizations that just put it in like one it just gets right to the point. It's literally it's literally like a statement, like one two paragraphs maybe explains how the firewall uh, doesn't have any any rules or whatever or explains how physical security is has been put into place right one paragraph here's what this system system a um, has a 24 by 7 security unit who are armed at all times they check the perimeter with this checklist blah 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 boom done and then it says for more information see this document for more information see this database uh, or whatever I've seen that so I've seen it extremely long where they have the whole document in there or a short little paragraph that's it but that but that is the immig a, a mitigation statement and that's usually put into a system security plan a plan of action and milestone is where you can't have you don't have controls so in our example of the physical security instead of controls um, instead of uh, the required physical security of a 24 by 7 guard unit that's outside the facility or something you have an electrified fence and you have an eight foot electrical fence and you but you don't have a physical guard unit but the control calls for having someone physically there right the control in the NIST says specifically now this is not specifically what it says but let's just say that the this is security control PE dash eight and it says you must have twenty four by seven security guards that who are armed right so that's what you're supposed to have but let's say your organization can't afford that you're, but you're in the middle of the desert and all you can afford all the organization can afford is an eight foot fence that's electrified right so you would put in the in this particular uh, plan um, in this particular instance you would put in place a plan of action and milestone that means a plan of action to fix this particular uh, control 
And so the plan of action will have dates on when you would actually be able to do this. Let's say the organization, organization alpha, it has a plan to actually, they're doing a contract right now, but it's going to take two months for, for the contract to be complete so that this 24 by 7 organization can come in and patrol the facility, right? So you have a plan to do it, and it'll be in place in two months. And here's the point of contact. Who Here's who you contact to know when it's going to be done and it just details everything that you're going to do as you're doing it as you're getting everything into place the milestones are on june 1st we're gonna we're gonna put the contract in place on july 15th we should have our first guard unit and they're they're going to develop a policy to how they're going to do the perimeter checks and on august we're finally going to have them in place that's a plan of action and milestone so jose is saying well I can't, we can't put these physical things in place right now. So why do they want me to say that we have a 24 by 7 uh, guard unit there when we don't have that? We All we have is the fence. That's it. And, and it's a plan of action and milestone. We already have a document stating how we're going to do it. Why do I need to put anything in this system security plan about this control that we can't meet? So I've seen this done in different ways so I've seen it to where what what you do is you will put in what you do have in place you'll put comp, comp what's called compensatory controls uh, which are saying we don't have 24 by 7 security however we have an 8 foot electrical fence and that's what we have for now uh, so I've seen them put that in there and I've also seen them put something like that like a description of what they do have and by the way see the the plan of action and milestone for more information or sometimes you'll put the plan of action and milestone inside of that mitigation statement I've seen that too where they say okay we have an 8 foot fence it's electrified and we have a plan of action and milestone in place and on August the 15th we will have 24 by 7 security on this at this location on this on these five sites or whatever right and then I've also seen it to where they don't put any of that stuff they'll just say refer to uh, poem 15 and then it's 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 on the it's on the uh, assessor to see to go to poem zero uh, five fifteen to to go see more information on that so I've seen it bo done both ways and the reason why uh, you you would want to put something in there is just in case when the assessors are going through the auditors are going through your information they're going to be they're going to be reading through your documentation you know and they're going to be like okay let's see it says here in your control PE-5 that you guys well it's blank here it's blank why what are you guys doing with this and if Jose is like well we didn't put anything there because it's a plan of action a milestone you know so the reason why you would want to put something there is so that when they're looking at it, it's like, okay, I see you got this is uh, PE5 security control, and you're supposed to have a 24 by 7 guard unit here, but I see you have a plan of action and milestone, but you guys do have a fence. Okay, I saw that. And then you also have a, a poem, and I see a, like a brief description here that you guys will have this in by August 15th. Okay, that's cool. The reason why I would put something in there is the the it minimize their questions the less questions that auditor or assessor has the better the better it is for for everyone 
<laughs> the better it is for them, the better it is for you, and the better it is for the actual organization you're working for. So, so I would put something in there. I would put, and then I would refer to the plan of action and milestone. All right. I hope that answers any questions. But if you guys have any questions, further questions on that, if you happen to be watching this live, feel free to ask. All right. So I got another question here, and it's or actually a statement. Gain experience. It says from Marcelo, and he says, uh, "Thank you for making a useful YouTube videos. Making useful YouTube videos. Struggled to get my foot in the door, and took took the advice of one of your videos. So I called up companies asking if I could do some volunteer work experience, and they accepted. So one of the thing what he's referring to is." A lot of times, a lot of people who watch these videos are have zero, little to no experience in IT, right? In IT security. And what do you do if you're if you're just getting out of high not high school? If you're just getting out of college or high school, yeah, sure. If you're just getting out of high school, you're just getting out of college, or you work in a completely different field and you want to get into cybersecurity in particular. Everyone wants you to have experience. So it's kind of a like, what do you do? It's catch 22. Like they want you to have experience, but you're trying to get the experience to get the job. So how do you do it? So what I've suggested is that look at your place of work. Let's say you're a real retail person in Walmart. What you could do is ask your organization that you, you you've actually you're actually in a gold mine because in retail, there's amazing IT at some of these stores, especially at Walmart. Amazing IT. You should ask them first. Go to the HR department and say, hey, listen, I want to get into IT. Is there is there a program to transfer me from here to here? So that's one of the things. If you work in a bank, if you work in a hospital, a clinic, and you're trying to get into IT, I always say ask them. Ask somebody there. Ask the IT department. Say, hey, is there a way I can volunteer to do some work? Or is there a transfer program? Can I, can I go from a medical biller and then start doing this IT work or help you guys set up this, this security, uh, this, this Wi-Fi in our, in our office? I want to help. I want to learn, right? And then another thing I will suggest is if you, if you have a church, if you have some kind of community place that you go to and they they happen to have wi-fi they happen to have some it stuff you can volunteer your time and say listen i really am trying to get some it experience here and i want to learn is there is there something i can help you guys out with you know and you're already trusted because you're a part of that organization so they might trust you to help them set up some routers some some uh, ap's or some um access points or whatever you know or fix their configurations on their router or, so, or something like that or fix their computers you know they might need help so ask them first so when he says he's asked the companies and he volunteered work he volunteered to do his volunteers mean free work right the reason why that's important is because that experience every hour of experience you get it equals dollars so every hour that you, every week, month, year that you can log in, that you can put on your resume and say, I have experience troubleshooting Windows, Windows uh, desktops, Windows laptops. I have experience, uh, you know, assisted, assisted the help desk update 15 laptops for IBM. 
assisted configuration of uh, malware malware applications updating signatures on malware uh, documents or oh my god <laughs> assisted updating signatures on malware software for 400 systems for the church of methodists or something like you want to be able to put that kind of stuff that kind of language on your resume so that you can they can see an employer can see that you have experience you get that you put out that free work you know or low paid work you you have to, everyone has to pay their dues you can't just walk in to a cybersecurity or any other IT job and make $100,000 it doesn't work that way that would be like a doctor getting paid $200,000 a year to do brain surgery having zero experience it does not make sense you have to put in the work you have to develop the skills and the knowledge base to be able to do this complex very important work for a company to protect their confidentiality their integrity and their availability of their data so yes that's awesome Marcelo I'm, I'm really happy for you that's great all right, I think that that's it. Unless somebody has any questions, I'm about to get off of this thing. I had some more stuff, but I will. I'll put that stuff together and then put some stuff out there. Um, I did want to. There was something I wanted to show you guys. I think I already did. Okay, yeah, this is the the cap course that I'm working on. If you guys didn't know, if you happen to just watch these free videos, if you want to go deeper. If you want to do a deeper dive into some of this stuff, you can go ahead and check out combocourses.com where I have courses to go very deep into some of these things that I talk about. Very deep. In, in other words, after you do the course, you'll be able to talk to a employer about how much you know about risk management framework in particular because I go very deep on that one. It's not easy. It's, it's not for people who are not willing to put in the work. It is a lot of work. It's a lot of information. But I do have free stuff on there about um, how to update your resume to reflect a cybersecurity type position. Uh, little tricks that you can use. Nothing. I'm not talking about lies or anything like that. But how to market yourself. Because that's what this that's what this game has evolved into. Is It's where you have to market yourself um, to get yourself out there, to get your name known. Um, you yourself are a brand, and that's how you got to see it. Whenever you put your name out there, uh, whenever you put your resume, your skill set out there, you're a brand, you have to market yourself, and I show you how to do that. And there's some free courses on combocourses.com that shows you exactly to do uh, to do that exact thing. So go ahead and check that out. Combocourses.com is actually free to enroll, and I have free content that's exclusively on there and but if not if you don't have the cash for it right now continue to watch these go ahead and subscribe and like on youtube.com i put out free stuff all the time 